Hello, welcome to the second episode of We Don't Talk About The Weather podcast. Um, I'm Adam, and I'm here with my co-host, Hugh. Hello. Um, and we're here just to talk about the UK news this week. Um, and the from a left-wing perspective, our theme this week, of course, is the Stoke and Copeland by-elections. How Jeremy Corbyn definitely needs to resign, <laughs> okay. because he always needs to resign. <laughs> It hailed today. I know we're not supposed to talk about the weather, but it hailed, and that is exactly because of Jeremy Corbyn. You're saying the heavens are weeping. They are. They're weeping tears because... of ice balls <laughs> for the Labour Party. Okay. Um, but yeah, with our fantastic cold open, as you can hear. <laughs> um, Hugh, little quick question for you. Yep. When were you first banned from watching Question Time by your family or significant other? Um, that was a long time ago. I think it's an important part of any person's political development when anyone that they're living with stops them from being able to watch Question Time specifically. Because it's the worst. It's the worst political programme. Followed very closely by the, what's it, Andrew Neil afterwards, which is even worse. See, occasionally they get someone Actually. interesting to talk on Andrew Neil. I mean, not that I watch it, of course, it's the whole point of the question. But like, you can't watch it Question either. Time, you can't, you don't get anything out of it, do you? It's no. facile in the extreme. There's no, there's a lot of shouting. There's a lot of poorly and chosen questions. It's always weighted to the right. Mm. Always weighted to the right. And if if they have a token lefty on there, it's always someone obnoxious like Laurie Penny, who has she been on Question Time? She has been on Question Time. God. And Laurie Penny shouldn't be on anything because she can't write, she can't talk. She lost an argument with a drunken David Starkey. Anyone who loses an argument for drunken David Starkey doesn't deserve to debate anyone ever. I think or... more, more importantly, she uh, magnified, she um, uh, she amplified uh, Milo. She did because she likes him because they both have a very similar upbringing. Yeah, they're, they're, from, the same, they're from the same class. Yeah, they're both posh. I mean, um, this isn't. Yeah, I mean, we'll get onto this. I think in another episode, definitely. But Milo always got a lot more leeway and Laurie Penny kind of does as well because they're of a particular class mm. because they went to a particular school. I think it's fine if you address that, if you make some attempt to account for that in your work, but no. she didn't. No, no, no <laughs> She no. doesn't. No. Back to question time and yeah. why it's appalling. is It never achieves anything. They don't talk about anything. They ha- always have the same kind of questions. They, they, like, they're always in a different place, but the questions are always the same. There's always the same kind of person that you see him and it's like, you look like a geography teacher. Mm. You definitely look like a geography teacher. And he'll say something about the Maastricht Treaty. Yeah. They were always framed it that the questions are very, like, they're always very local, which are always probably the most affecting kind of questions, which is what are you going to do about Northampton General Hospital? Yeah, but that's the, that's the really telling thing, because if it's in Northampton, they're um, saying, what are you going to do about our, our Northampton General Hospital? And if they're um, somewhere else, what are you doing with Leeds Hospital? Or, yeah. It's always, why are you going to shut down our hospital? My favourite one's, wouldn't you agree that the EU membership has been completely uh, mismanaged and we're better off out of it? And then like the ones who agree with him will clap. Mm. And, and that is kind of like how politics ends up being anyway. Yeah. But... Within a studio setting on a TV programme, you are none the fucking better. But then you also you have the BBC's terrible commitment to balance. So you have James Dellingpole on there, and he'll, oh, it's, uh, there'll be the inevitable question of, so when are we going to just admit that climate change is a lie? And James Dellingpole will go, yes, yes, this is very true. It's James Dellingpole, Milo's former skin that he sloughed off. 
and uh, emerged in his current form. <laughs> That's a really vile image. He used to be an ugly climate denier. Now he's just a muscular tech fascist. Is he muscular? Uh, well, he's got Probably that. He's got that kind of uh, skinny kind of muscularity. I assume. You know, it's not like I. It's lack of body fat, not muscular. <laughs> it's not like I spend it's small. It's not like I spend hours in front of the mirror looking at myself with Milo and say, "Oh, if I could meet him." <laughs> if only I could be that guy. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I can't. I, I have been barred from watching um, yeah. Question Time because you just shout at it. Yeah, because there's no question that you want to. Even, even if you were inclined to listen to somebody's like position on something, there's, you never get that position. You get. You get the same kind of point scoring that you get in Question Time. I suppose that's the other thing as well. You watch Question Time, and the there it's even worse because the format's so archaic. You get like fifteen Prime minutes. Uh, yeah, Question Time. Yeah, it's Prime Minister's Question Time. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, that's maybe it's cool. watching. Yeah, um, Prime Minister's Question Time. You get uh, Jonathan. What's his face in the middle? Uh, <laughs> Although you get, um, you do get, and you get, uh, and like question time, you've got three hundred Tories on the on the on one side, and then you've got kind of forty Labour on the other, and uh, twenty of those don't support the current the current leadership of the Labour Party. So yeah, mm. it's exactly yeah, and um, like PMQs. And then, and that's the thing with question time as well, because then you have Andrew Deal afterwards, mm. which I don't know if. Um, who the regular guests on anymore? I imagine it used Diane to be it used anymore. to be Diane Abbott and Michael Portillo. And the thing he is, retired is, to look at trains, which is and she retired to spend more fun. time with her being an MP. <laughs> well, she is in the shadow cabinet. Yeah, true. With her shadow shadow cabinet position. Yeah, yeah. I'm being fair to her. I, I like Diane Abbott. I, I like. I do not like Diane Abbott. I like bits of Diane Abbott. I do not like anything about Diane Abbott. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing is, with with that is one of the reasons why I don't like Diane Abbott. How can you sit on a sofa with someone like that and not just shout at them all the time? Or just shout at Andrew Neil? Or just both of them just scream. I would just scream and scream and scream. It's why I'm not on these things. Because <laughs> I just go on and just start screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming. Because they just talk bullshit. They just talk lies. They just... They, um, they do the... Brave New World thing of filling the air with so much guff mm. that then you're just sort of dulled in, like pushed into a stupor. Mm. They don't give you any proper information. You ask them a question and they'll talk for a good solid 10 minutes of bullshit that by the end you're slightly hypnotised because they have a, a monotonous metronomy voice that hypnotises you. <laughs> just can't stand them. Mm. I mean... I don't know what would what what would your ideal kind of like political TV program political kind of thing look like? Well, you would have to step away from the weird notions of balance that the BBC has. Yeah, of course, and yeah, that yeah. most of the media has the mm. notion of balance of you have ninety nine scientists here who say that climate change is a thing. You have one crazy scientist here who says that climate change isn't a thing mm. and then they give equal weight that's bullshit and I'd want to not have that kind of stupid balance would require the BBC producers to actually know something about the programme oh, they they're producing they don't really know about anything I don't think any I think all of them are caught, sort of checked out waiting to retire <laughs> <laughs> or searching for positions with uh, other companies B Sky B but um, I'd, I'd want them to not have not have to worry about balance swearing what's wrong with swearing I mean, you can't have that at 12 o'clock in the, in the afternoon. 
No, but um, question time isn't on at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I suppose so. What time does question time start? It's late at night, it's like 10 o'clock. Oh, okay. On like a Thursday. That's after the watershed. You're only allowed a certain number of things after the watershed as well. You're not allowed, like, fucks and... You're never allowed cunt, but you're allowed... You're allowed, like, one fuck. And... Things I'd like be that. allowed to call someone a lying arsehole. And hardly <laughs> anyone gets called a lying arsehole. And they're usually all lying arseholes. Like all that freaking out with um, Piers Morgan when... I forgot his name, the Australian comic who told him to fuck off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, but no, that, that's what I want. I want to tell Piers Morgan to fuck off. <laughs> because he should always fuck off from every situation he's ever been in. Like, the, the reason he came out of the womb was because his mum was saying, fuck off. Just get out. Go away. Start your life away from me. Your views are tainting me. He doesn't have any views. He has nothing. He has a yawning chasm inside him that just sucks up everything that's good and pure. Yeah, for all of, like, a lot of the liberal media's criticism of Trump about how he's stupid and how um, the last person to say something to him will, like, that's the thing that will stick in his head and that's what he'll come away from the meeting with. Mm. They're all pretty much like that anyway. <laughs> the last thing they see, they're very zeitgeisty. Yeah. It's like, desperately trying to appeal to Yuffie, Yuffie Young, Yuffie, Yuffie Young. What's of the now? <laughs> Suzanne Boyle, she's of the now. Is she in favour of Brexit? <laughs> no, I mean, there, is there, there's not a young person's like politics pro. They try. Oh, actually, they do try and do those politics programs on um, ITV. Oh, they did have where... Youth Question Time on BBC Three. BBC yeah, they did Free, it which once. is a web show now. Yeah, they did it once. I they, they did it more than once. No, they did. Well, they did. They had like maybe three debates or something like that before the last general election. But then instead of the bloke being who looked like an old geography teacher asking about yeah. the Maastricht Treaty, it just had a seventeen-year-old anarcho-capitalist wearing a bow tie asking about the Maastricht Treaty. <laughs> because they have the same kind of people. Because the kind of person that wants to get involved in those kind of things and is going to go through and be able to pass the vetting process is going to be obnoxious. It's the kind That's of the people... first thing I'd have. No vetting processes. <laughs> it's the kind of people who um, describe themselves as into politics without having any actual beliefs or any actual life experiences to tell them what politics they're into. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or they've just started to understand some of the words, like there's yeah. a, oh no, they understand all the words because they did it at A level, but they haven't had any actual experience of how that translates to people's real lives. Yeah, well, it's like um, a friend of mine who did a really long Facebook post about how he's no longer an anarcho anarcho syndicalist, yeah. even though I'm not sure how he was ever an anarcho syndicalist. <laughs> um, he was just a racist. <laughs> he was a racist who worked for an oil company. Which also, I'm, I I don't know everything about anarcho-syndicalism. I know it's something like a violent general strike um, originating in a radical trade union. I know yes. that much, but I don't know about the kind of currents that led it to wherever it is now. I don't, I don't automatically associate racism with anarcho-syndicalism yeah. in any way. Yeah. Um, but he And I think I know who that. you're talking about, and yes, he was a racist. And a massive racist. He's not no longer a narco-syndicalist, he's a narco-democratist, or something like that, which I found really hard to understand. Is that one of those things that sounds good, but is actually fucking terrifying? Well, <laughs> I couldn't read the whole post, because mm. I just, just it started to see, like, I saw the visual equivalent of white noise. <laughs> Very white noise. <laughs> Pure white Aryan noise. But, um... I, it's, it's from going by the name. It just sounds like anarchism to me. <laughs> if it's anarchism with in favour of democracy, that's all anarchism. 
Because <laughs> if there's one problem with anarchism, it's too in favour of egalitarianism. Wait, what? It is. You know, like non-hierarchical... Oh, right. Yeah, but it doesn't believe... Well, no, it's not that it's not egalitarian. It's that it doesn't believe in structure. Yeah. It doesn't believe in, in kind of organising and the kind of common thing from socialists would be that you realise the second that the capitalist world organises its shit enough to come after you, they will wipe you out. That's that's kind of the defence, that's kind of Lenin's defence. It's like you need you need an organisation to be able to organise the workers to defend themselves. What happened to those disorganised anarchists at Kronstadt? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly the thing. Yeah. That was their reason for doing it. Hmm. Um, but, but yeah, but yeah I, don't, I don't know what I'd have as good yeah political tv program because i I'd also I, I wouldn't know who i'd want on there because i did no one in there's no one on tv they take that weird oppositional thing as well i mean i can't i you're right i can't think of anything um i can't think of a good replacement for what they have now other than for it just not to be on because it it, it helps nothing mm. Um, and all it does is signal amplified Nigel Farage. He was on there yeah. so many times. Well, I don't think that's anything to do with the format. I think that's to do with the media in, the media climate in general, oh, because yeah. they need to fill it with sensation, mm. and they need to fill it with kind well, of, with uh, with narratives that are easy to understand. I mean, this is the whole thing we're going to talk about. I think with this bylaw, it's what happened with um, with with Trump as well. Yeah, they go yeah. for the they put Trump on TV all the time because he was going to say something obnoxious like all Mexicans are rapists. And that not realizing that that is a political, he's doing his. It's like he's getting free political advertising. Audience, you're yeah. constantly doing it. It's yeah. where no platforming comes from. Yeah, yeah. It's because no, I don't want you. Well, it's because it's because by putting that up there, you are. I think people don't generally know platform conservatives because, at least on the surface, their spiel isn't fucking genocidally racist. Mm. It doesn't lead to. Um, ethnic minorities getting beaten up in alleyways behind where they're talking. You Although know, Brexit did. Yeah. Well, all, well, that, that, well, no, but that that was an exact example of that, which is why people. It's why they like the liberal media did struggle with the kind of relationship of racism to Brexit. But yeah. like, been in the world, you know, you've talked to kind of forty and fifty year old uncles, and they haven't though. Yeah, that's the thing. They. they I think a lot of them kind of it's a lot of the kind of the BBC kind of crowd like producers and and researchers and things like that whoever whoever it is that makes decisions for putting these people on yeah I found they come from a very similar kind of background aside from the Oxbridge thing mm. and they come from that similar kind of background where they've escaped so they grew up in a town like we did and we wanted to get away but they were the weirdos that got away and they were the weirdos who got away they had a brain in their head maybe and they managed to kind of parlay that into some kind of success and they never want to go back mm. and unfortunately would... if you're going to be in a position of power that kind of isn't an option which they are and also I don't think they see themselves as that they don't see themselves in that position of power it's like with when like on BBC or ITV or any of them whenever they put people on their TV shows like Milo or Nigel Farage mm. and any of these things they don't understand the kind of where it leads because I'm pretty certain none of them have seen a National Front logo spray painted anywhere except in an art gallery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't um, well they don't they don't experience the violence that comes along with it and they don't they don't really care because they, they do kind of exist in that um nothing there's no there's it is kind of a, a relativist kind of existence where 
the consequences of that are it's just TV. Yeah. Oh, it's just TV. We're just putting it on. It's just fun. It's just we're breaking boundaries. We're because they've only ever known that kind of thing. The eighties and nineties. Well, maybe not the eighties so much, but the nineties certainly kind of made you think that oh, Nazis. That was in the past. Mm. You know, um, and uh, yeah, they made you think it was in the past, and it's not a threat now, which it fucking definitely is. Mm. And I think at the very least now, maybe they could get away with it in the past, but from now on. They can't get away with that, and they've got to start thinking clearly about it. Um, People are going to start dying. On the plus side, like the Copeland by-election. Yeah. Oh, did seamless. Oh. Fucking pro after two episodes. I'm expecting my phone call to take the news <laughs> any day now. Seamless. Where it's just me in a polo shirt and a clip-on tie screaming <laughs> at someone <laughs> for half an hour. But um, the, on the plus side, the Copeland by-election... Um, UKIP's vote did just sort of crumble. No, oh, yeah. Because even though people voted Brexit, they don't like UKIP. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, let's let's set let's set this up. So this is the we're going to talk about the Stoke and Copeland by-election. That's been the the big thing kind of in the last in the last week or so. Um, so we had two by-elections, one in Stoke Central, Stoke on Trent Central, and one in Copeland. Um, I don't know where any of these places are. Uh, They're north of the M25. I know Stoke-on-Trent's north of Birmingham. Um, it's where Sellafield is. It's okay. uh, it's, it's it, it, it kind of borders Sellafield. Um, both were kind of Labour seats beforehand, and uh, they held on to Stoke with a new MP. Um, the old MP was Jamie Reid, who interestingly left... Um, Left being an MP, he was a critical. Did he leave to work at Sellafield? He left to work at Sellafield. How did you guess? <sighs> I mean, and admittedly, it's not like he. I mean, it's not a fully private company. They're currently um, Sellafield Limited, who he left to work with, are decommissioning what was Windscale Nuclear mm. Power Plant. Um, it was privatised, but it's now kind of that weird public-private thing. I think it's like a GovCo. Yeah. Um, so he left to. Um, to a head of research and development or something of that. So he took the money. He took the money. Like so many MPs before him, he took money. Stoke-on-Central... Stoke-on-Central was... um, uh, Tristram Hunt's uh, constituency. Um, Good old Tristram Hunt. uh, Son of Julian, Baron Hunt of Chesterton. You know, he's an honest, working-class... Oxbridge historian who was somehow a fellow. Okay, if you can't tell, like this is bit a kind of bit of grapes. I have a problem with a lot of public historians because I studied history. I did my degree in history and um, studied um, up to MA. I funded my way through an MA, and the experience was so fucking traumatic that I cannot <laughs> go back to academia. Yeah. I just can't. I can't do that. Um, so <laughs> I got a certain amount of professional non-professional envy whenever I see like public like politics public is, envy whenever I, it's completely uh, the politics of envy I also happen to think it's a shitbag hmm. but yeah he he, he was like a fellow at like 22 or something it's insane more importantly Baron of Chesterton Chesterton isn't a place surely no he was made um, he was a uh, he was some kind of meteorologist who worked at the um, UK Met Office and he got made a Baron so that's where they make up a weatherman yeah he was a weatherman yeah, he got made a baron for that, but that was in the good old days where you just had to like stay at the same job for twenty years, <laughs> and, then get made the baron. and then you get made the baron, the baron, and you get a little biplane, a little red biplane. You get a, a long scarf and some goggles, and you just get to fly over your fake constituency. I, 
I'd like to be a baron. You're fake what do you do? Yeah. What do you do as a baron? Oh, he's a life peer. You get to sit. You used to get to sit in the House of Lords. Oh, that's some sweet money. Oh, do you get to sit in the House of Lords? No, no. You yeah, you still get to. That's a um, sweet sit in the House of Lords. Yeah. Well, as, that is the gravy train, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I that I that's the kind of sweet benefits life that I aspire to. Never thought of being a marquis. Well, I remember when I talked to the careers advisor at school. Yeah. And I said I'd like to join the peerage, like yeah. get a peerage. I'd like to become some kind of lord, yeah. any kind of lording, really. <laughs> and they just they just didn't know what to tell me. That's the thing. It's the problem. If we had yeah. if we had more private schools, I'm sure they would have been able to tell me <laughs> where to go. Well, I mean, if you couldn't make it as a marquis professionally, it's good to see that you went into lording it over people on an amateur basis. Oh yeah, you definitely. still do what you love. You know, that's that's the good thing. Yeah, I. I I lord in my free time, which is most of the time I get on my high horse and I lecture people. <laughs> it's much, yeah. It's... But yeah, so, yeah, but Hunt, anyway, he left to go work at the VNA. Hunt is now, uh, Trisham Hunt is now going to be the head of the Victorian Albert Museum. Which is the most boring one. It's the also, prettiest one. Also, that's kind of shit. Because no, like, people, like, historians who I've worked with love museums. But you're not a no working. Shit. You're not. No, no, no. But in that way of as a career path. Oh. If you're a working historian in a museum, you're doing it because you can't get paid any other way. What? You, what do you do at a museum? You. I mean, I know what. He, what you usually do is you sit there and do the office work. You run. You run the actual galleries. He won't be doing that. No. He'll be curating. I imagine he'll be sourcing, you know, endless pop star outfits to put. Well, yeah, the VNA is just an art gallery for really bad art that's just old. Yeah, it's just a, it's a her- it's a heritage spot. It's the same as any it's the same yeah. as any other. But yeah, you know you know why he why he did that. So I mean that's that's why that's that's why he's not an MP anymore because he he couldn't hack it. He did the same thing that fucking Louise Mensch did. Was he the same? Cl- Actually, was he the same? Year of intake as Louise Mensch. Probably. I'm thinking 2010 because he tried for a few years and couldn't. No, get Louise it. Mensch was before 2010, wasn't she? No, I just no, she her on wasn't. TV a lot. She wasn't. I think she was 2010. Ugh. Kind of illustrates a really fucking big problem with mm. this system, in that it's just a revolving door to other higher-paying jobs with less stress. Well, there was her higher-paying <laughs> job. She just moved in with. She just moved in with her husband in New York. Oh, she worked. As, she works at Heat Street now. The uh, Murdoch-owned. Um, uh, oh yeah, because she was on the, it's, um, it's, the panel interviewing him and threw him a load of softball questions, and then quit being an MP and took a job from him. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and shacked up with the manager of Metallica, the worst metal band. Yes, the worst metal band. Yeah, but she works for Heat Street, which is like um, it, I suppose it's I think it's the closest thing Murdoch has tried to get to Vice, while actually also owning a stake in Vice, <laughs> which he does. <laughs> he owns like ten percent in Vice Media. <sighs> Yeah, but um, um, but yeah. Anyway, um, Tristram Hunt has resigned, obviously, and we had the Stoke and Copeland by-election. Two Labour MPs. They retained in one in a very weird fight with Paul Nuttall, the leader of UKIP, and then lost in Copeland to the Tories. As you pointed out earlier, they did win. The Tories' vote increased by as the same amount as UKIP's vote tally went down yeah because, so because what's the point of UKIP now well yeah because yeah. they've got their thing yeah um, I know they, they there's I listen to LBC and there's a lot of UKIP people who constantly phone up and talk about 
how UKIP have a great manifesto, hmm. and it's not really. It's pretty much scrawled on the back of a bar mat. Yeah. And it. Well, they've got all the. They. So, <clears throat> when Cameron came in, you noticed a sudden. UKIP had been around for a few years before that, but you noticed mm. a sudden uptick in kind of defections and things like that. And it's. it's I think Cameron will be known. He'll he'll have known for making a bad mistake in for his own career in pushing Brexit, but also he may have fucking saved the Conservative Party because he pushed all those socially conservative, all the all the real nutty ones mm. out of the Tory Party into UKIP, and now what's happening now? He's delivered Brexit. Now Conservatives are the party of Brexit. Yeah, and the hard right's coming back into the Tory Party at just the time when opposition to Brexit means that the Tory Party need their attack dogs. Yeah, you know, it's it's exactly they are exactly who everyone was thought. And I fucking hated this like media narrative of, oh, UKIP are going to do really well in the in the uh, in the the old uh, post-industrial kind of north. And it's like they're not doing well. They've never done well. well the people, the UKIP are exactly who we thought they were. They're not stealing votes off Labour. They're who we thought we they were. They're disaffected Tories. Where's that thing of um, disaffected left wingers? Hmm. They don't usually move to someone like UKIP. They usually stop voting. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of people who don't vote at all Yeah. because of that. Yeah. Because who would you vote for? Like, I don't know who I'd vote for, really. I normally vote for a crude drawing of a dicksicle. <laughs> but there's no one. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're kind of racist... Yeah. Then you've always got your options. Well, they've got that. What kind of well, racist are you? It's the are you a racist who hates abortion? Well, there's the Christian Democrats. Yeah. Or whatever they're called, the Christian yeah. Hate Women Alliance. Yeah, there aren't a lot of kind of left wing options to pick up, because the barrier to entry for a left wing party is so fucking high, because the Labour Party dominates that entire arena, and yeah. they're not moving; they're just being hollowed out. Mm. If anything, they're being hollowed out of all content. You know, but so um, um, he f- he not all lost in Stoke, mm-hmm. and oh no lost- no no he won. <laughs> Check his website, he won. You don't even laugh. It's it's brilliant. He he no. What happened was that it was a fuck up with the website, right? He won, but then he felt so bad for <laughs> Labour MP one. Uh, what's his name? Gareth Snell. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, oh god, because because that I he uh, not, he forfeited. I tried. <laughs> I try not to watch the news. Mm. Like even when I'm on my own, because it just raises my blood pressure too high. Yeah, but um, I remember that with Gareth now there was a load of stuff about how he did tweet a woman to shut up, or something along those lines. And so they were talking about how he hates women, which you know I'm sure Paul Nuttall said significantly. Worse. Uh, actually, uh, what you don't realise is that there was cameras on his PC while he was tweeting at this woman and actually he was screaming shut up bitch <laughs> while he was grabbing his crotch. <laughs> um, it was really fucking weird. Like he, It was a really kind of weak ass version of um, the way that the kind of identity politics stuff works on, on Twitter which is if someone I mean it was on Twitter but in America like American Twitter you know what I mean yeah um, where if somebody says something um, bad about a woman what, whatever happens um, the apologies always kind of um, the, apo- the, the apologies just strange because they they say I have a mum yeah I, I have a I have a mother I have a sister I, I have a daughter 
I have I have met a woman and it's it's very strange and he did exactly the same thing. It just seemed like a weaker version of, Which of that of proving I, your credentials I, that you don't actually. I, I don't, don't think he actually hates women. Well, I don't think anybody tells anyone to shut up on Twitter. Is it? It's it's, fu- it's fucking dumb. Like MPs should not be on Twitter oh, no, they, they, in any way. No, like no. it does nothing good for no, them. No, no, just no put out fucking press releases. It doesn't matter. No one's going to fucking read them anyway. Well, no, you put out your press releases because that's what the journalists then report on wholeheartedly mm. without any kind of double checking at all. Yeah. Whereas if you you're doing it on, if you're just doing stuff on Twitter, you're limiting yourself to a couple of sentences. Yeah. And it's oh, they're always. But he was like, I've, I have, I have, uh, I have. Uh, what was his name? Garrison. That's how bad it is. I can't remember his name. Well, the, Gareth Snell. It's not your fault that you um, can't remember their names because none of it doesn't matter if they have any names. Labour MP A, <laughs> Labour MP D. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was like, um, "Oh, I apologise to my, I have apologised to my grandmother," and he's like, "What? Why did you? She's not on. She's not on Twitter. She probably like she knows you don't hate women. You don't need to do that." That's really yeah, strange. No, that's, but um, then and, you know, Paul Nuttall did his thing of like, Paul Nuttall's been so good. Is it? Um, I was either like family members or close friends yeah. who died at Hillsborough, and it's like, uh, well, he said I had close friends who died at Hillsborough, and close friends of his said, no, you didn't. Yeah, because we were in your class at school. You didn't know anybody who was at Hill, Hillsborough. He also claimed to be um, uh, he used to be a professional footballer. I'm looking at pictures of Which him at the moment not. in a tweed suit. Yeah, that man is 42 years old. He does not look 42 No, he old. doesn't. He has aged very badly. Wow. Oh, my God. I think that's probably what happens when you <laughs> hold that much bile in your heart. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just so dumb as well, because he's a career politician, Paul Nuttall. Yeah. Because he's never done anything else. He, all he has ever wanted to be is... No, again, he's one of those people who they were really into politics until they eventually entered the Tory party and then they got all of that kind of was he in the Tory hatred party? out. I think he was in like a conservative constituency, uh, conservative like youth party or something. Was it like that one that had to be shut down because it was too racist? <laughs> what, the ones where they were singing like the horse vessel? Um, like Nigel Farage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, Nigel Farage is... Marriage crumbling. It's sad that a relationship has to crumble, but I imagine, you know, when you sing the horse vessel to get yourself a heart, it puts off your German wife. <laughs> imagine it really just, like, it ruins, like, the rhythm. But does it automatically then attract French mistresses? <laughs> is the real... Does he have a French mistress? Oh, yeah. No, did you, did you see that? Because, you know, there was that whole thing a couple of years ago about him shacking up with some British, um, like, one of his British um, uh, party secretaries or something like that. I'm- she tweeted or blogged a load of stuff about how um, disgusting British women were. This this French woman who is Fantastic. supposedly, I say, suppo- allegedly, his um, was his mistress throughout this time. That's weird. I couldn't. I, I imagine him mainly with women who live closest to the pub, <laughs> whichever pub is nearby. Because like there was that great bit. There was a quote of his in Private Eye, with him talking about Mary Le Pen. And how he was drunk and swaying and says, I think she wants to fuck me, you know. <laughs> Which, oh, it took me a good month to be able to get an erection after that. Because <laughs> that just ruined everything. God knows you tried. <laughs> I tried so hard. Had that picture of Paul Nuttall up by your bed. <laughs> saluting it every morning. Half saluting. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, um, I mean, UKIP as a, as, a, as a force are just... 
Well, they're nothing without they, Michael Farage. Now, you see, that's the interesting thing, that I think they will have something left, depending on how Brexit goes and how the Tories manage Brexit, because, again, we still don't know what... They're saying hard things, but we don't know what that means. And if it does involve any kind of compromise towards Europe... UKIP will automatically yeah. take that well, you, that role of being that kind of suck up for all the kind of hard right conservatives and fascists. Yeah. UKIP's going to pick up like the older ones are the old school Tebby style. Or, see, um, they're, they're older, Enoch Powell, yeah, type conservatives. Um, but the younger ones, like you hear, I have listened to numerous ones on the radio phoning up young UKIP voters. Yeah. And UKIP supporters who describe themselves as right-leaning libertarian. Yeah. Which, I don't know about you, but whenever I hear those words, automatically all I think in my head is, so they want to legalise weed yep. and lower the age of consent. Yeah, they actually, they don't want to legalise weed, they want to legalise poppers. <laughs> that's, that's always... Poppers that's where, legal. That's where, no. No, they're classy now. What cold-hearted bastard. <laughs> Theresa May! <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> It was, you know. Seriously? The, yeah, it's the scare stories. It's like Salvia. Salvia's not legal anymore, I don't think. But Salvia just fucks up death perception. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, but why poppers? What poppers ever done to hurt anybody? No, don't you understand? People die when they're on poppers, Hugh. They're like dry no, erase markers. They? <laughs> That's why pencils have erasers. <laughs> um, but. Oh, that's just dumb. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just flabbergasted at banning poppers. <laughs> Maybe you're the libertarian. Well, no, I've got I've got no problem with drugs being legal. I think virtually every drug should be legal. I think it should be controlled, yeah, by people who aren't taxi drivers, <laughs> because that's the main problem with drugs: is the people who sell them are all horrifying monsters. But um, that's where, yeah, that's where um, the, the whole yeah legalized drugs thing. That's where Guido Fawkes came from. What's his real name? Um, I can't remember his real name. I can't remember his real name. Was it legalised drugs or was it because he didn't want to pay child support? No, he no. He, oh, I mean, it might have been because was of that. It, but he was a rave. Oh, no, no, no. Guido Fawkes was the legalised drugs thing because he was a. Like, he, he was, was a, a rave. rave he was a rave libertarian, like techno libertarian, yeah. wasn't he? He was a Silicon Valley guy, except he doesn't know how to work a computer. Yeah, it was um, Old Holborn who was the one who didn't want to pay child support. And yeah, he was a, and he did his whole beautiful free man of the land thing, which I've oh, there, there's proper soft spot in my heart for that of I think you'll find that there's no fringe on that flag <coughs> therefore by these cheat codes that I have yeah. in the constitution that means I don't have to pay child support I think Fuck you'll em. find I signed this contract in Reading <laughs> which means it doesn't matter which means it doesn't count that's my government name <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the thing with, uh, with the, it's like well, no that is not my name that is just my government name on that piece of paper my name is Old of the old of the clan Holman, <laughs> and it's like I think you'll find that those children were all conceived in a pedalo, which was in international waters. Well, you see, I mean that's the interesting thing with the breakup of UKIP. Uh, the Mercy and Independence Party finally has ninety uh, percent of its members back. <laughs> <laughs> I love so they can fight for their uh, renewed Anglo-Saxon heptarchy. I love regional independence parties. They yes, the best I things, love them so the much. Best they have ever. the best websites and they have the best beefs as well. Yeah. So um, I was on a Mercian nationalist website the other day. Where's as Mercia? I do, I check in every morning. Tell me where Mercia um, is because my knowledge of geography is well, being very London based. Is I know where the Medway Towns is yep. because I grew up there. I know where London is because I'm there. And I know where Edinburgh is. <laughs> 
And I'm because pretty you sure. only go there for the season, don't you? <laughs> yes. And it's great. Do you know what's not great? The in between. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know where, where is Mercia. Um, I watch Vikings, but you know, I fell asleep a lot during Vikings. Um, Mercia, according to the Mercian Nationalist website, um, now free of the influence of the London Wessex Mafia. They call it the London Wessex Mafia. It's fucking awesome. Where's Wessex? Um, Wessex is so traditionally Wessex would have been south of the Thames, Kent. Uh, Kent was kind of a separate thing, but uh, south of the Thames and moving all the way along to Cornwall, right? That that whole line, uh, probably running through like Winchester, because Winchester was the old like Alfred the Great's capital and everything. Mercia is everything. The other side of Offa's Dyke, so the other side of Herefordshire, Wales, um, goes as far north as ooh, maybe Lincoln, Hull. So it's a significant. They say it's a significant portion of the country, but it will never be allowed to really express it. And it, they haven't. They've written um, what was it? The old Mercian uh, letters out of the alphabet. The London Wessex Mafia have assassinated the old Mercian alphabet. So they think they have. A, they think they have like a language. Yes. Like Wales. Yeah. Has a language. Yes. Scotland sort of. Yes. Has a language. Middle Saxon or whatever. Middle Saxon. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. This sounds like something it's from so Elder Scrolls. It sounds dumb. Well, yeah, it is because it's small, easily definable political units that make sense to people but don't exist. Like like nationalism. I mean, it's like it is like nationalism. It's like modern capitalist nationalism. Okay, I'm, I want you to get up on your phone now. I want to find the Mercy and Independence Manifesto because I've got. I'm going to have some predictions here. Are they in favour of homeopathy, or as they call it, alchemy? <laughs> Are they going to be in favour of things like that? They're in favour of the Weregeld, where you have to pay money if you murder someone. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Oh, they denounce other Mercian groups as well. So there's something like called the act, the Acting Witten of Mercia, which is like What's the a, ru- a ruling council, a Saxon ruling council. Um, but they denounce them as a bunch of jokers. <laughs> but as like a like a Welshman, Saxons are disgusting migrants. <laughs> so I don't want any of them. Mercia's population, I'm reading from the website now, Mercia's population of 11 million is roughly four times that of Wales and over twice that of Scotland, and yet Mercia has no degree of home rule at all, being split into dozens of so-called counties under a typical... (laughs) So-called counties! (laughs) Under a typical Kentish divide-and-conquer policy. (laughs) Typical Kentish? Mercians are not an officially recognised ethnic group. Instead, the government will have you believe they are English. <laughs> they don't, they're not a particular... Uh, oh my God. Yeah. So, Kentish divide and rule. We've known a lot of people from Kent. Yeah. Being from Kent. Have you ever known any of them to enact any kind of divide and rule policy? Or is it more, hold my rings? Hold my rings, I'm going to hit him. No, I know plenty of people who have, from Kent who enact a divide and rule policy. It's called the ruling party. <laughs> it's the Tory party. It's the <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is that we come from the wrong bit of Kent. It's the English state. <laughs> yeah, but that's wrong. That, that, well, we're from wrong yeah. Kent. Yeah, we're from wrong Kent. Yeah. Dirtbag Kent. Yeah. <laughs> Post-industrial Kent. Like, I mean, I totally feel for... I, I totally feel like for people in Stoke who would feel like they've been let down and just not vote. Like, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think they should. Oh, <laughs> back to serious matters. Um, uh, I don't think they should 
definitely don't feel like they should owe their vote to Labour. It's no. not that surprising why the vote turnout has collapsed. I mean, it was like fucking 31% or something, 36%. Yeah. But um, if it's why Brexit happened. Yeah. Because everyone was given a really nice yes-no question. Mm. And the, basically, I, I, would have look, I was looking at it as, do you want to tell them all to fuck off mm. and yes I can see that being a very tempting choice well yeah it is because you don't get that choice ever no you don't you get to choose between which level of fucking do you want yeah, yeah. Like, would you like would you like the person who's going to offer you something but then not really give it to you yeah like the Lib Thames yeah are you going to offer the one oh, go for the party or Labour I mean yeah but the Lib Dems more recently yeah. was a very big hey everybody vote for mm. us we'll help you and then fucked over a generation of people. <laughs> um, or you know, vote for Tories because you really, really hate that Ghanaian couple down the road. Yeah. Who with the strange food smells. <laughs> just makes you so angry. Yeah. Makes you so angry, you just cry at the Union yeah. Jack. And I mean, like, the, the whole portrayal of, the, of this result, like, they've come out of it with exactly the same narrative but they've just changed what happened in order to fit that narrative because the narrative going in before is like oh Labour are really kind of under uh, threat from UKIP they're really at threat oh they beat them alright okay oh well yeah but they lost this by-election in Copeland which they the voter turnout has been declining their share of the vote has been declining apparently Jamie Reid had one of the lowest um, contact levels for any MP so he didn't answer any of their questions on a local level is it that fucking surprising the thing is, the Stoke election isn't as interesting as the Copeland one. Because mm. the Copeland one, yeah, the, the Tories won uh, the one seat in a by-election, which, yeah. as Theresa May was cackling about, cackle is the only word to mm. use with that woman. I've never seen her laugh. Um, I imagine she does. I've seen her pull faces. I imagine she does laugh at a full moon when she's dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is the first time that... Uh, the party in power have won a by-election since I think it was like eighty-two. It was eighty-two. Yeah, it was the last time. That, and, uh, and that is that's you know that's a big thing, but that's more of a sign of just how everyone doesn't care anymore. I mean, it's, it's like the turnout was appalling. Like, what's the turnout here? I mean, it's, it was fifty-one percent in it, Copeland. It lost twelve percent turnout. Yeah, in the space of two years. Yeah, not even barely two and years. Like a by-election is usually quite exciting as far as elections go because it's like yeah. yay suddenly like at least pe- the attention is on us yeah. so you know might as well give it a go yeah yeah I mean the, the, like the other issue that of course has come up with Copeland um, is that it was part of the Tory redistricting in uh, the Tory gerrymandering in mm. 2010 which as <laughs> I saw someone describe it it's like yeah it went from a kind of semi-rural and and an, uh, an, a labour area around a couple of major major employers like Sellafield, um, to include someone called it Beatrix Potter Country, it includes places like Keswick, which are like picturesque English villages, Tory heartlands, because yeah. they brought those kind of areas in yeah. to dilute whatever labour vote was there. Yeah. It's always been a marginal as well. I think. Well, no, it hasn't always been a marginal. Yeah, it has. It's, no, it's, it was. It wasn't like um like well I've looked I looked at the numbers of um. And the numbers I was looking at for how the mm. voting has gone in yeah. Copeland since '97, and how the percent mm. the percentage win has gone down solidly since '97 mm. for Labour, and what was the important thing that happened in '97? Yeah, Blair. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you could either look at that as Blair's Labour Party stopped appealing to them because... Stopped appealing to the people of Copeland because the Blair's Labour Party wasn't racist enough. Hmm. Or you could just, or you could look at it for the other things that Blair did, which were more obvious. They were like very definite things that affected you on a daily basis. Like I'm pretty certain there's still like most people our age have a genuine feeling about the Iraq War still. Yeah, we haven't gotten over it. No, no, it's not. It's not gone away as a as a kind of plank of foreign policy. Yeah, that interventionist foreign policy hasn't gone away. They constant, you're constantly under this pressure to define an enemy. I know with like with people like I mean, it's not just like um, among like working class people. It's among middle class people mm. as well. Con- there's this constant pressure to define an enemy, and whether you choose it to be Russia or China or something, there's always that kind of like national competitiveness going on, and that hasn't gone away, and that ends up focusing people towards war. But I don't think it's necessarily. Like the Iraq War, I do think it's the abandonment of people, even with deindustrialization in the north in these areas. I mean, Sellafield is the main kind of industrial employer around there, and it's being decommissioned. Yeah, and also um, Jamie Reed, the previous MP, while he was um, very pro-nuclear, voted against the Labour Party twice on Trident and on um, nuclear power generally. But that's a weird thing with like pro-nuclear. Um, How can you be like? Oh, it, it really. I am very, very much anti-nuclear weapon. Yeah. Because they're stupid. Mm. They are ridiculous, stupid things. Yeah. Um, Nuclear power isn't. Mm. And the... The way they are now is. The way... Because those plants are all 50 fucking years old. Yeah, and they're still running fine. They're not running fine. But they're not not that bad, really. They're not going to, like... They're not... Like, the people in Copeland, they're that way not because of nuclear power. (laughs) No, but I mean, if you're talking about like local issues on the ground, if they see Jeremy Corbyn coming out against nuclear power, then yeah, yeah, there, there is a there is a what I don't, what, there is a the thing, thing that like, I don't understand. Despite why, him doing it for good reasons, what, well, the thing I don't understand is he's well, then he's not in favour of decommissioning it, in favour of opening more. No, because he's I don't understand being anti-nuclear weapon and being anti-nuclear power as if it's the same thing because they're very different things. No, they are different things, but the same the same kind of fears kind of um yeah, but the fears are Because I think that they're probably not in nothing. But they're nuclear not. Nuclear power is pretty safe. It's reasonably safe it's until better something than coal. goes Yeah, but until it is better than coal, but then when something goes wrong with nuclear power, something goes drastically fucking wrong, which yeah. is increased with the fact that all of our nuclear plants are like 40, 50 years old but like, and they're maintained by Yeah, but they should be they should be upgraded. But yeah. um, it's hard to upgrade a nuclear power station. You do it have is, to yeah. build a new one. Mm. But um, even when a nuclear power station goes wrong, they mm. don't really go that wrong. Like, when was the... What, what, what? Yeah, there's that they one. They go pretty wrong. There's that one. But and that one was really badly looked after. And the other one. What, Fukushima? Yeah. Fukushima wasn't that bad. Tokyo's still... In, um, Japan is still inhabitable. <laughs> My definition of okay. And you don't eat fish. I still get updates for Final Fantasy fourteen. It's fine. I know I know you're a vegan, but you know that radioactive material still affects those vegetables. You won't have to eat the fish to get the radiation in you. I'm gonna eat Japanese vegetables. Yeah. But um the the poisoning the fish, mm. that that fish was plenty poisoned before. Yeah, that's true. But um it's just that thing and I probably as we go into the Labour Party, mm. one of the reasons why Jeremy Corbyn seems so man mad. And not that good. I don't good. think he does seem mad. That's the problem. Well, no, he is a bit of a hippie. 
yeah, but that's the wrong f- kind of hippie. Yeah, but that's fine. His problem, if we're going to start talking about um, the Labour Party, his problem is that he's not aggressive enough. Yeah. He floats and he, he kind of floats around on the edges of things. He doesn't go for things. Apparently there was one story, um, I think it was when um, Vice was doing that documentary on him. Mm. Um, like behind the scenes with the Corbyn party and it was like oh, the, the main thing that came out of it oh he seems so incompetent it's like he didn't seem that incompetent his team didn't seem that incompetent but he's got this thing where he he was doing something on refugees good and I really like him for that I really like what he's done for um, like he has refused to get he's refused to even move an inch on the immigration issue and it's the only moral way of being Yeah, but he was doing something on refugees and they were voting on um, the what's it the insurance payments the um, personal the PIP um, it's it's money for um, disabled people who can't work okay and he refused to do anything about it he refused to talk about it and it's like no you do have to understand that while you may not like the news cycle it's still fucking there yeah today we are doing this thing yeah and it's that kind of like um, sometimes he has that tunnel vision. That he's got he's got good instincts. I think he's very calm and unflappable. He doesn't he doesn't get rattled by things. But he also doesn't go for the juggler. He doesn't have enough hate in him. I don't want a calm. Yeah. I, want, actually, I don't. I I want an unflappable person. But I don't want someone who's calm all the time. I want yeah. a firebrand. Yeah. Yeah. We need one. Yeah. Because we're fucking dead without it. Yeah. I mean, not just if you're a Labour voter or you're a Tory voter or whatever. Like the majority of people, the greatest trick the Tories ever pulled was convincing you that you, their privilege was yours. Mm. And that's how they get it every yeah. year. I mean, there was, a, there was a quote from um, Owen Jones in Chavs where he's talking about um, a Tory MP says off the record, he says, um, Tories always the party of privilege. What they do is they give just enough to just enough the amount of people to get in. Yeah. And whether you're, a, you, you might be a Tory voter, but you're not benefiting from the Tories being in power and you will continue oh, God, to get worse. And that's why you're. That's why I think there's so much like hope and faith, definitely on the left, and maybe maybe not elsewhere. But there's so much hope and faith in the left with Jeremy Corbyn that he could be the last good hope. Well, he's the last one. At that he's the last one left. There's who's younger than him. Well, here's like I mean I I've been th- I've been rolling this around in my head for like months. Say Dan Jarvis, um, I'm going to hit you at last. Oh, fucking Dan Jarvis, what? GI Joe. Um, <laughs> And you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know enough about kind of other potential Labour leadership candidates. Chuck Ramuna, no, no Chuck Ramuna, self-proclaimed national socialist. Chuck Ramuna <laughs> went on an elite dating website because he wanted to keep out the scum. <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean, to be honest, do you expect anything else from that kind of like no. careerist Labour MP? You Not don't expect any other, but any kind of behaviour. It wasn't even a shock. Because they are of that same class. They've turned in... Like, politicians generally have turned in on their class and started only associating with their own sphere of interest as the rest of the country has. Mm. There is a greater sphere of interest, which is class, but that is systematically undermined, demeaned, and I I kind of feel sorry for Jeremy Corbyn on that basis, but also can't forgive his faults in that way of not going after that hard enough because like I say whether you're a Labour voter or a Tory voter you're still working class mm. if he were to come out with a simple um, I, w- I was fucking listening watching the um, uh, not watching um, I found a, a Labour Party leaflet 
from just after the war, from 48. Mm. And it was, the Labour Party will increase national insurance contributions from 9 pence to 12 pence. Will um, ensure that uh, your, you know, uh, welfare payment, your um, uh, national insu- uh, your um, unemployment goes up from this amount to this amount. Simple, easy to understand, increases when was, when in was an actual thing. unemployment <clears throat> went up? Uh, oh, I have no idea. Because I don't think it really has, like... Well, it was a. Th- that's when it became a thing because yeah, they like, brought it in in forty five. Because last time I was signing on, it wasn't enough to live on. Oh no! La- um, last time I was signing on, it was um, it was a hundred pounds for two weeks, and you could claim it for six months, and that's only if you'd been in work for an entire year beforehand. After that, they stopped it. it uh, like the weird ideas fucking people have you about. Know- you had a different one because I, I was. <clears> I was in Birmingham. I was in Birmingham well, at that I went point because I signed on when I was 19, 18, 19. Oh no, I was like uh, this would have been two thousand and ten, mm. so I would have been I was about twenty five, twenty six. Because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I dropped out of university. Yeah. And I was like, uh, sign on, be on the rock and roll for a bit. Yeah. And then realised that the rock and roll. It's, it's terrible. It's not shit. There's so many fucking amazing myths out there about. Oh god, I wish it was like about jo- about like benefits. Yeah. Like oh, you know this person. I I I really want to like. I, I would love to have like the same kind of hit piece that you get in the sun, but actually properly researched and broken down. If you could get someone to sign off on that kind of um, invasion of their privacy or mm. invasion of their their public fi- their personal finances or whatever, mm. and actually break down where that money comes from, because it usually comes from. It almost always comes from disability, mm. which is you fell over at work and you know you've hurt something. Yeah. You have a chronic condition. Yeah, you can't work. You cannot work. You physically cannot work. You might be able to spend a day out with your kids, uh, but you can't lift things. Because you know, and the, the the amazing myths that come out of just at people's mouths every day, mm. and these are people who can't be like they might be in work, but there's a lot of people I've known who have been on on uh, unemployment and know that that's not the case do they just think that someone else is getting it and they're not mm. you know because it's very strange I mean I've no I've no idea about universal credit I've no idea how that I shit works I have no, no yeah. idea because you know but like when I was on Dole it was I'm pretty certain it was about 45 maybe a bit more a week yeah that, that was, was that me. was that was what I was on when I was in Birmingham that was 2010 in Birmingham I was on um uh, unemployment and it was forty seven fifty a week but paid uh, fortnightly yeah and that's nothing oh I couldn't get housing benefit either well, yeah, that, I couldn't get housing benefit the thing that I remember not is um, and I remember when it stopped because there was a pub in Chatham that I used to like going to which it was pretty much someone's living room it was tiny it was down by oh, Luna oh yeah I know, the, I know the one near the old yeah, yeah yeah they used to do Guinness um, for a 150 yeah. um, no it was not Guinness for 150 it was Guinness for 50p on Gyro Day. <laughs> yeah. And I love that place. Yeah. That place was great. Because that was the only way I could live the being on the rock and roll lifestyle that I had been <laughs> sold. But um But yeah, like what but, but like the point the point about like um giving people tangible things to vote for. Like, like an increase in unemployment benefit because most people who are on unemployment benefit aren't just playing the system. They're not nineteen year olds like me trying to work out what to do with their lives. What possible way could you pay play the system? Well, that's the thing. Like, um, to play the system, like they say, like when they have like the person who has 
50 kids mm. and they've had to knock in two council houses to build them their that's giant not mansion. playing the system that's yeah, providing for a family exactly they've, yeah. they've, they've, like the work they've put into the if they are playing the system yeah. the work they put in means I'm pretty certain they've done enough work for that tiny pittance because having that many kids is hard work woman who's had 50 kids yeah <laughs> it's hard work yeah but yeah, um, yeah. No, like if 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 Labour could come out with that kind of policy, and I actually think, like to his credit, that they can't come out with that uh, kind of policy because if they come out with an idea like let's increase unemployment benefit, for yeah. example, which I would, I would massively increase it because unemployment is horrible. Yeah. Um, but if they came out with with saying that, loads of people would immediately not vote for them because of that. Yeah, and the reason why a load of people would hate on them because of that is because they never think they're ever going to be unemployed. Yeah, because it's that thing of uh, the country is full of temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Mm. It's. I don't think it's. Is, the thing is, I, I know there's that about America that they're you know they're all temporarily embarrassed millionaires, but I don't. The West think, is. I don't think that it's that. I don't think that it's that clear cut in America. I know certain like people who've like. My, my parents' age, who have kids now who can't buy houses and they talk about kind of the plight that their kids are in. Um, they are starting... They might not have joined up the dots, but given a bit more pain, the, their kids' pain, hmm. they could join up those dots. I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with putting that out there and seeing how it does. Because you would be... Su- I think yeah. you would be surprised. It would be nice. Um, I know people now, though, who... I've known people who said, like, 50p tax rate is Mm. disgusting because when I am earning a million a year... Yeah. Which, the person who told me that was working in a pub. Yeah. And I have no idea what made him think that he was ever going to earn that much money. Well, that's the... I mean, that's the the neoliberal narrative, that you're all going to be... All you've got to do is reach for that stars and work hard and don't (sighs) complain and... It is that old kind of blitz spirit repurposed for capitalist largesse. It's just keep calm and carry on and keep going and da da da. But I actually think there's a kind of sharp end coming where people are not going to be able to say that as believably anymore. There's a lot of fucking anger. Yeah. There's a lot of fucking anger at all politics. It's why that is why that turnout's so loud, so lousy. Yeah. Well, I didn't know any when, but even now. Like, I've got a birthday party to go to on Saturday. Hmm. And I'll do, like, a little straw poll. Yeah. Of how many people voted in the last election. Yeah. And I bet you it's going to be tiny. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really tiny. Even in liberal, metropolitan East London. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. It will be. And they... Yeah, it's because... What's the point? Yeah. But I mean, no, I tell you why that thing, um, why I, I do believe that, that uh, uh, a solid kind of easy to understand pledge mm. would actually work, right? Well, like the Edstone. Um, yeah. The Remain, the Remain camp at, in, during Brexit, right? Mm. Um, they had no concrete proposals about what they would do to, what their vision of something better would well, no, be. Th- well, they they had going, slogans. They, they had, saying, vote for us, the remain, status quo. Remain together, the status quo, we're better off together. Everybody loves and, status quo. And, yeah, whatever you want, whatever you like. <laughs> <laughs> Free calls, on repeat, forever, <laughs> and for eternity. That is status quo in R- everything. R.I.P. Francis Rossi. Did he die? 
Who's the other guy? I don't know. I'd like them both to die. Pop I don't rock. like either of them. <laughs> the worst is that, kind of pop is that what is that what happens to people who you don't like? I die. I'd like that to happen if I had if I had <laughs> if I had the um the, the powers to make musicians specifically that I don't like just disappear. I don't like status quo as pop rock. Maiden is pop rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like the like. They had that kind of status quo in the enabling slogan. It it made people feel good. And that's that remnant of what we were talking about last episode, that kind of politicians had a cultural turn. They mm. turned to culture. It was like, oh, as long as you feel good, as long as you can build a structure of feeling, Tony Blair's a man I would like to have a pint with. Or David Cameron. <sighs> David Cameron, he drink or well, Nigel Farage is a perfect example. He is all feeling. He's all emotion. I would go for a drink with Nigel Farage. It would be really good and it would be fine. Me and Nigel Farage would get on really well. <laughs> we would. We'd get on really well right up until probably around the fourth or fifth pint, the yeah. rage pint. Yeah, yeah. When suddenly he'll say something about abide and I'll say, hang on. Or he'll say something about his German wife. It's always his German wife. Well, he'll be, he'll be in a pub bitching about his German wife now. So Oh, yeah. Just be like, ah, oh, fucking German wife. Fucking best off out of it. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is, it is absolutely perfect. <laughs> Going back to you, Kim. It is fucking perfect that, like, <laughs> Nigel Farage gets divorces, gets a divorce in the same month that UKIP, like the divorced middle-aged man, swan- <laughs> swans into the Stoke nightclub to see <laughs> if he can pick up a few young, loose Labour voters and fails. <laughs> Yeah, well, his mates is. will tell him it's brilliant. You've got a great chance, <laughs> but he doesn't. He goes just put on that put on that tweed suit. <laughs> put on that tweed suit. That Union Jack belt buckle. <laughs> You'll pick up a young girl. It'd be fine. But um, actually, no, do you think he's ever right? Do you think he's ever unironically tweeted? Uh, Boys have swag, but men have class. Fucking <laughs> oh, probably does. Or he's fought it. Yeah, <laughs> but um. Well, actually, no, the more important one with Nigel Farage is, you know, complains about immigration, hates migrant workers, Brexit happens, becomes a migrant worker in America, (laughs) and goes working for the first swinging fascist dick he can find. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, you know, Nigel Farage was entirely... He was a he was presented as a structure of feeling. He was a man who'd like to have a pint with. He or oh, he says anything, he's great. Oh, Boris Johnson <clears throat> Yeah. Boris Johnson benefits from exactly the same thing, which is oh good old Boris. Not about anything he believes, but about who they believe he is. And that's part oh. of that cultural term. Oh. The Edstone is is the kind of apotheosis of that, which is I was just reading the Edstone the other day, and the six pledges were a strong economic foundation, higher living standards for working families, an NHS with the time to care, controls on immigration. <laughs> the NHS with the time to care. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? It means nothing. It means nothing. There's no... You're not saying, we're going to give 100 billion. Do you, know what the, uh, do you know what the Leave Camp did say? We'll give £350 million a day to the NHS. They a day, lied. Is it a day or a it week? was a... I, uh, oh, sorry. It was £350 million a week. Well, it's me. It was a, it was a lie. It was, it, was a, it was a lie, but it was a clear political argument that people could sink their teeth into and imagine. Mm. £350 Ah, oh, what, what could you know my local hospital do with that? And it, it, I like Jeremy Corbyn to do more of that. 
to have more po- actual politics. You don't need to feel good about the man. You need to have a fucking. You need to do some politics. I is, know it's horrible. I know it's sometimes boring. But actually, we kind of need that because we're fucking careering off a cliff edge. The thing is, he wouldn't have the balls to say something along the lines of, "We're going to increase taxation on the highest earners by whatever percent," because yeah. any percent I would like. Yeah. Um, he hasn't got the balls to say we're going to do this, and the reason why it's going to benefit you is. Let's face it, you're never going to earn that much money. Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to get that. <clears throat> and th- that's the thing. Then, like, the brutal realism mm. of the fact that people at best are going to earn about 30 grand a year. Yeah. Well, the average wage is um, uh, 27, I think. That's what 27 I said. grand that's what a year. I said, at best. Yeah. And it's. If there was anything that could be kind of salvaged from Blair. And new Labour. Obviously, politics, their actual political positions, fucking completely abhorrent. They're terrible. They just ruined an entire generation of people. But what they did have was a clear, precise message. And you could see it with Blair's speech a couple of weeks ago. They he he brought out figures. He said he said this uh, Brexit will cost us blah blah, blah so much, and sixty percent of the people didn't vote for it, and. That's a tactic that they need to use because that's something that people can actually get excited about. You know? Yeah. I'd like him to do something. Who would you have what would you have in place of it? And in I'm not talking about I'm not talking about a Labour leader necessarily, but I'm talking about an alternative left structure. Because um, there isn't another left party. The SWP was uh, the closest to that and, and they, they were not they were <laughs> I mean even if you liked them, which you shouldn't, they're terrible. But um, well, they're rape trotty apologists. rape apologists. They're rape apologists. I can deal with a trot. I can't deal with a rape with the way that they dealt with with rape issues. Well, I'm going to count at you there and say I can deal with rape apologism. <laughs> you can deal with rape apologism, but I'm fine with, with that. But good God, trots are so annoying. <laughs> so annoying. They're just unbearable. But, but yeah, um, what what kind of alternative is there? I suppose. Well, there isn't. But the Labour Party isn't a thing anyway. It's not a thing that a left a leftist should vote for, because they're not left. And as much as Jeremy, even if Jeremy Corbyn really came out and did everything that I wanted him to, you and see, said everything that I wanted him to say, I wouldn't believe that it would happen. Because even if he is going to try and do this, yeah, there's an entire party of people who do not. No, want there's that. an entire party of six hundred thousand people who no, joined no, no, because okay. Corbyn no, no, had no, a more left. No, 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 I don't mean I don't mean the people like that, like like my wife. I mean the Parliamentary Labour Party, the MPs. Ah. And they are pretty much to the man monsters. And woman. Yes, and woman. (laughs) And woman. Can't forget about them ladies, y'all. They have got quite a few women. Um, But, like, and, and, you know, in the spirit of feminism, they're just as disgusting as the men. (laughs) They're fucking appalling. I can't think of, I can't think of anyone in the Labour Party that I would trust and like. Other than like Dennis Skinner, mm. and it's gonna that makes me seem really pathetic, like because there's so many lefties like well Dennis Skinner's a good one, and it's like because he is a good one, yeah, he's great because he never. But I mean, like, out-out. like I know, I know the Parliamentary Labour Party is 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 terrible, but one of the things that Corbyn did, and I'm I'm hoping this is his kind of long term plan. Aside from anything, the structures of the Labour Party need repairing. 
it's not democratic it's not it gives too much weight to the parliamentary party mm. at the expense of the unions well, and the membership all parliamentary all the parties in Britain well, the parliamentary all, parties have too much the parliamentary all, yeah. part of I that know, party has too much well, it's power it's, it's our system yeah. The system is very, very so bad. Dumb. But I think like that is one potential bright spot about the Corbyn leadership of the Labour Party is that he has brought new blood into it. And they're going to need to get up to speed. They're not all perfect. And I am including some MPs in this. There are some good MPs. But, Name um, one. Uh, Rosina Ali Khan, my, my MP. She's pretty good. I don't know anything about her. Um, she's a uh, doctor... Uh, doctor who funded her way through uh, medical school, she took up the seat when um, Sadiq Khan became um, uh, London Mayor and she is pretty good she's pretty good but they at the same time have that kind of limiting power in that they're supposed to be about local issues mm. but at the same time have to deal with national policy and you need a block for that but like, I think it's time to kind of think Beyond, I know our system is hamstrung by its dependent on dependence on Westminster, but it's probably time to actually think about non-parliamentary roots to that thing. And I think if the, my main bright spot from Corbyn is that there's a lot of people, a lot more probably more radical than than I am, more read, more well read about kind of radical politics, who have joined the Labour Party are annoyed, but do see some bright shoots in things like local councils. Local yeah, councillors are worse. Labour local, local councillors are worse than um, Labour MPs. Local councils are never going to do anything to make anyone happy because all local councils do is tell you, use your recycling uh, bins and we're going to fuck up your parking. Like they did around here. They fucked up my parking. I have to pay right. to have the car parked in my road, which makes me very angry. But what if they didn't? Yeah, but they're not gonna. Right. Here's the here's the thing. They're right? not gonna though. No, but the, then they don't have enough money to deal with the bins. Then you replace them. That's the whole point of what Corbyn's like. What I think, what certainly, definitely, people in the Labour Party are trying to do. They're trying to oust those old Labour councillors in places like Lambeth, where they're essentially just a private developer. Yeah. They're essentially just a housing developer. There. There's nothing. There's a lot of stuff. If. My thinking on this, and I've read a few things about that this week, if there's nothing to prevent a local council becoming a property developer, hmm. earning money from the sale of council property, hmm. then there's also nothing to say that they can't spend that and how they spend that. They're responsible for local housing. They can put up council housing. They might not get funding from the local government, but the kind of localist stuff that got pushed through, because they're pushing more and more responsibilities onto the council, turn a negative in, and they can't... And obviously councils are trying to fulfill this while not having as much money from local government mm. and so that's why you have like you talk to anybody about their local council and they're like they're the people who yeah they fuck up my parking they fuck up my recycling and they present me with council tax bills they but put, they put in a load of one way streets which people okay, hate fine I like them because I hate cars but what again what if they didn't that's the I mean that's to be honest no but isn't that no but it's not them you replace them. This 600,000 people who are mostly young people who are very precarious employment, who are out of work, who are today's working class, mm. they're there. And they're getting, they're getting more politically savvy. They're turning up to meetings. They're actually kind of thinking about this stuff. And if you think about it 
if you think it through about what local councils can do, if they can be a, pro- a millionaire, billionaire property developer, in the case of fucking Lambeth Council, billionaire property developer, if they could have a system of council house building, if there was a young, enterprising young councillor who, who could work that system in the favour of things that we want, then that would be a victory. That would be a start. And I know what you're going to say. You would say that they that the government would come for them in the same way that Thatcher came for militant in Liverpool and yes. the GLC. But at some point, that battle's got to be fought. And it's better to be fought with a party and an institutional basis rather than a council who you hate and a party that just turns up for meetings and occasionally votes on... Um, parliamentary candidates. I do think the party is probably in a better position than it mm. was in when militant were excised <clears throat> and when the GLC was fucked over. Yeah. It's horrible in a way that we have to talk about Labour this way because, the, like in Germany, there's a few different left-wing parties and there's probably something palatable for for some for people like us who There's some really are... dodgy left-wing parties like um, <laughs> Die Linke? I think it's Die Linke. Um, who defend the Stasi. <laughs> no, Delinka doesn't. I know who you mean. It's not Delinka. Delinka is their version of a kind of more radical Labour, as far as I can. It's like a... Because all their part, because their parties break apart more easily. Yeah. And I mean, if, if I could think that something like that would happen here, where Labour would kind of splinter apart and there would be a new kind of more radical coalition not beholden to the party, to a single kind of parliamentary party... That would be that would be a good thing, but I just don't think that happens in our system. We've got to work with the tools that we've got. I, I have gone back and forth on the Labour Party, and like I say, it's unfortunate that we end up having to talk about the Labour Party as the only thing. But the barriers to of entry to a well, new a new actually socialist party are learned, so fucking high. You learn from your fuck up of voting for the Lib Dems. Yeah. Whereas, I just don't believe anyone. I think they're all bastards. Yeah, historically, um, capitalist governments have generally left overwhelmingly socialist or communist um, municipalities the fuck alone because the cost of actually doing anything, once they have a law on their side, as local councils do now for Tory reasons, they generally leave them alone until it gets into a civil war situation. Like you think in a lot of German cities after the First World War and uh, in Italy in the 60s. Like it's not going to be like that, but it can be something towards that. And I think like there's, I don't know that there's any other, there's any other option. And it d- does have the fucking added bonus of not depending on the Parliamentary Labour Party. I can only see a better world built on the ashes of this one. <laughs> but it's going to be your ashes, mate. Yeah, but my kid, she works hard. She'll do it right. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't see any. Obviously, there's not a lot good come out of the Corbyn camp recently. But I don't know. You got to keep thinking of these alternatives. We're looking for a Jesus. We're looking for a Jesus or a Lenin. Corbyn's not that. No. Obviously. No, he isn't. But maybe we don't need that. Socialism's not about one person, is it? It's about lots of different people working together. Yeah. That's the kind of... Yeah. Look at that. Ending on a positive note. See? No no agreement. This is my coming out party, by the way. I'm joining the Labour Party. I'm not joining the Labour Party. Well, I might. I don't know. We'll see. Do we join the Labour Party? Maybe. See it in your eyes. I might do. You've got weak eyes. (laughs) It's fine. You can join the Labour Party, and then you can explain to me why 
Chakramuna is the Prime Minister we all want him to be. Well, the best thing is, I don't, as a, just a normal member, I don't have to support any of the, uh, the MPs. You've got more of a link with your MP if you live in their constituency. Hmm. Which is the fucking dumb thing about the system and the dumb thing about the party system, but it's all we've got. It's all we've got. Oh, I fucking hate that though. Mm hmm. It's not ideal. There's a lot of depression going around the left at the moment, and you can definitely see it, considering that most radical lefties kind of end up having that kind of coming to There's that kind of thing from a place of always depression abject the ab- abject yeah there there is but i don't maybe i don't maybe i don't have enough experience maybe i don't, maybe i'm just not experienced enough in in feeling what it is but you turn a defeat into a win at least something like that cuz socialism already exists it's just that it's expropriated mm. so that that structure that that ability to work with other people you've already got that on the ground at your job whatever almost whatever you do so there's a way of translating it I wouldn't be a socialist if I didn't think there was a way of translating it I should probably try and hope more yeah rather than just trying to drink through my (laughs) sadness Um, what's the phrase Um, pessimism of the intellect optimism of the will is a a common thing that came around yeah and it it it, kind of can't be anyway because you as a socialist the whole point is that you're imagining a better future you know there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of hope there's a lot of there's a lot more like people at very high levels of kind of thinking about these things and and theorizing their way around these things and uh, i am i am more hopeful there's not that knee-jerk libertarianism among people anymore like there was in the early noughties and the 90s and things people have grown up and i mean they are Again, they're also they're often from kind of writer classes, like the writer class and journal- journalists and things like that. There are always journalists, but there are a lot more now. And you know, there is there there are ways of being hopeful. And I think it's it's less of kind of thinking about what the right person for the job is and what the right job is. We've got to think about what the right job to do is. Mm. It might not just be all about elections. That seems like a kind of duck out after Labour had. Uh, a bad, a bad, uh, yeah. a bad showing. But no, I think I know what you mean. I think I completely agree, actually. Um, yeah. I think the way to wait, make this country better, because mm. we can't. Well, me and you can't really change British foreign policy, but we can make our areas better, mm. and everyone can do stuff in I think, the local. I think those things those things can follow. If I mean, one of the reasons this is kind of again continuing on, we're kind of overrunning here, but. Um, one of the reasons why Britain became so dependent on the armaments industry and so dependent on that kind of outward interventionist foreign policy is because we're a massive arms manufacturer because that's what got us over the hump after the end of the empire we've never fully dealt with the end of the empire these these problems are not coming out of nowhere for Britain these are the same problems that came up in the 70s in the 60s and the 50s and we need newer better ways of dealing with them. pretty certain that a lot of UK stuff is because of not coming to terms with the loss of empire. Yeah, it's it's a completely British pathology. Yeah, a complete, a, a, a definitely an English pathology. Yes, but um, a, a British pathology in a larger sense as well. In that we've never we've never come to to terms with it, and but the empire was shit. Oh well, yeah, obviously it was no. Terrible. But no, it, the whole point is that you have to come to terms with its historical legacy, mm. and we don't teach it in history. We don't talk about it except to kind of backhandedly praise it. And it's like, I don't, you, it's, British wealth is 
the fact that we're a, uh, 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 the notion of being a first world country is built on the bones of millions and we can't do anything about that we can lament it definitely obviously mm-hmm. um and we can there are others other steps we can take to ensure a fairer global economy but that doesn't start from nothing it doesn't start from uh positions of no power it has to start from a, a position of power and maybe this is it's one way in you know an actual left left-wing labor party i know it sounds it sounds so hoping against type but that class that class of people who make the labor party as shit as it is today they are they're still going to be there they're still going to have to be fought even if you're a member of another party that you're still going to have to fight them for the the left-wing votes for the working class votes and they'll they're not going anywhere I'd like the Labour Party so much more if they were on the other side, though. Like, um, what if they were right wing? Um, <laughs> well, um, what's it? Um, oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, the bloke who founded Quilliam, uh, Najid. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But um, he was on LBC and he was saying, "All you Labour voters who aren't Corbynites, hmm. there's a party for you. It's called the Lib Dems." Yeah. And that's true. Yeah. And they should all fuck off. Yeah. Join the Lib Dems. Dude. And then I'd then I'd join the <coughs> Labour Party happily. If I if they if I didn't the have thing to is, break bread with these the th- pieces of shit. The thing is, I mean the, the media again, like I said, the Parliamentary Labour Party, those people are still gonna have to be fought wherever you're fighting them from. That that media class, that's still gonna be there to be fought wherever you are, wherever you're fighting from, whenever you get close to a sniff of actual power, of actual kind of um being able to do anything about things, they're still going to be there. And the way things are going with Brexit and the world economy, it's very, very shaky. There are going to be a lot... There are a lot of liberals carping at the moment about how Corbyn is terrible. And their kind of general apoliticism and their hopelessness, when that economic collapse happens, and it's going to happen, they need a home. Hmm. They're going to need a home because whether they're not working class now, but they're fucking going to be, mm. you know, those people who are just, those, those are, what was it? The, what, what was the Tory word for them? The, um, there was a chance just about, uh, just about managing. Yeah. yeah. They, if, if, if this capitalist cycle keeps going the way it's going, they're going to be working class soon and they're going to have rage. Now we can either prepare for that or we can, not and they'll go to the fascists well that's what I worry about I'd like Greece yeah and I'd like the Labour Party to be staunchly anti-fascist and ready to deal with that fight because it's coming and there's too many people in the Labour Party who think that you should appeal to traditional working class values of hating on Pakistanis yeah yeah, but that is. I'm, I'm saying that they're not. They're not going away. Whether they're doing it from within Labour or whether they're doing it from within the Lib Dems or you know, if they the legitimate concerns crowd, mm. we have people have legitimate concerns about immigration. They're not going away, and you got we've got to fight them. And it's more a kind of it's it's better and easier. It's simpler for you. It's less taxing on your mental health to do it from a mass organisation any kind of mass organisation than it is to, to do it on your own. And I do think that's 
think that's what I that's what I'm trying to take out of like the state of the Labour Party right now. That's fine. I guess you can join the Labour Party and you can argue with them about appealing to the concerns of mm. the working classes and convince them that they shouldn't be trying to dog whistle racism their way out of it. Yeah. And I will just stand on the sidelines and throw rocks. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. You're doing it though. You're doing it from a place. If you can do that, I don't I I absolutely don't think if you can go around people if your particular personality, if you can go around people one person at a time and shake them out of a certain way of thinking, that's that's fine. I you know, I think I'd have to be a bit drunker, yeah. or have a steady access to a large supply of speed to start knocking on every door and explain to them why them being racist is wrong. <laughs> um, I did just want to end on one like amazing thing. I didn't want to let it go. I'm sorry, we're we're really overrunning on this. Jamie Reid, the former um, MP for Copeland. Um, yeah. During that white van gate thing a couple of years ago with um, oh, our the, hometowns of yeah. Rochester and Strood, um, uh, during that by-election, um, during the, like the white van gate thing, um, he said, "When I see a white van, I wonder whether it's my father or my brother who's driving." And it's like, yeah, those are the people we need to get out. Yeah, you know, they're not, they're not authentic. They're not, they're not fooling anybody. No, and. If we could have a kind of non-glib, practical, straightforward party, I think I think most liberals would be surprised as to how far you can get. But they don't want it to get that far. Well, maybe they do, maybe they don't. It's going to get that far. It'd be nice to see yeah. them... Ex- to make them have to come out and analyse what they think. Yeah. Properly. Yeah. But maybe Definitely. Jeremy Corbyn will do it. Yeah. He's not or... the man we need, but the man he's the man we've got right now. Yeah. Well, and on that note, we should oh, finish. Oh, so close to ending it on a positive note. You can't end a talk about <laughs> British politics on a positive note. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, What's our Twitter? Ah, uh, 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 we have a Twitter now. Um, it's <laughs> uh, W-D-T-A-T-W slash pod, uh, underscore podcast on Twitter <laughs> you fucking but you can I'll put it what, in the what else I'll put it in the description Twitter's really difficult to find a name for they're all taken but you should subscribe to us on iTunes we're on BBY what's it called the um, other uh, site um, Blueberry Blueberry.com but um, no we're on we're on iTunes and I'll get us up on the other ones like Stitcher I think is a one yeah and Android one okay but we're not on iTunes at the moment so you can yeah. You can rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. Give us a good rating. Oh, I will read out every single review. Yeah. Every single I'm review. I'm not actually sure whether anyone's listened to... We're not sure whether anyone's actually listened to episode one yet, so we're not <laughs> sure how this is going, but... I have shouted um, into dark and alleyways for, for years now. This is no different. So... Um, so, yeah. Um, anyone who writes a review and it goes on iTunes, I will read it out. Yep. Um... Even if that means it's another separate show of me reading out about how I sound posh. Who says that how you sound posh? You don't sound posh. I feel like I do. See, I didn't have a drink this time, so I don't feel I haven't been I haven't been talking too posh. It's fine. Well, I have had a drink. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's it from us. Uh, we've been Adam and Hugh, and we've not been talking about the weather, although it has been hailing. It has.
fighting am the least about the fighting game. When Mr. Hoover said to cut my dinner down, I never even hesitate, I never frown. I cut my sugar, I cut my coal, but now they just Since they amputated my 